0: The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart and the Lord said, I will wipe away this human race I've created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground and even the birds of the sky. I'm sorry I ever made them but Noah found favor with the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at that time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now God saw the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living thing creatures for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, and I will wipe them all out along with the earth. Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. Leave an 18 inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the boat on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. Look, I am going to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and a female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive and be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all of the animals. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him.
1: Thank you, Claire. You know, a moment ago, the sky was kind of dark, and I was like, oh, yeah, God, are we doing a thing? Like, go ahead, just let it rain, you know? It's sunny now. That's all right. I think we're still doing a thing. Um, Good morning. Hello to the new people. I'm Jasmine. And as Phil just mentioned, this is week two of a series called Partnership in the Gospel. When I prayed and asked God what he wanted me to talk about this morning, he said, almost right away, which doesn't usually happen. He said, I want you to tell people that I speak. And I thought, I don't know about that. And he was like, no, I want you to tell people that I speak and that when I speak, it's important. Um, And so I said, okay, I submitted to it. And then I said, okay, God, I really don't know what to say. So please, please, please help me. And he promised that he would. And he did, because when God makes a promise, he keeps it. And by the time I was done preparing for this message, I really understood why God would want to introduce the idea that he speaks while we're also talking about partnership in the gospel and reading through the book of Genesis. So let's pray, and then we'll dive right in. Hmm. Lord, if you speak, then we want to hear you. Sometimes it is hard to hear you down here, Abba. And so I ask that you help us, that you give us full permission for the next few moments to just sit, to put our full weight on these chairs or on the floor or on our feet but to rest and to sit and to listen and hear what you have to say without striving. Hold our to-do list in our worries and our cares for a moment and fill us with your words and illuminate this passage for us and help us to hear what you have to say. It's in your name that we pray, Jesus, for there is no one like you, amen. So Genesis, Genesis covers more time in history than all the other books of the Bible combined. I had forgotten about that, but as I was studying, I was reminded about that. Big, big book, 50 chapters. Scholars believe Genesis covers about 2,300 years, and there are three big events that happen in those 2,300 years. You have creation, you have the fall, and then you have God's response to all of it. But Genesis is not just the story of something that happened a long time ago. It's actually our story. It's the story of people who are asked to partner with God to do these wonderful things, who make mistakes, who often get themselves into trouble, and yet they still get to participate in God's redemptive plan. And one of those people is Noah. Now, There are countless people in the Bible who heard God speak, countless people. But there are only three people in the entire Bible that are described as having walked with God. Those three people are Enoch. He's also in the book of Genesis. Then you have a man named Levi. He's in the book of Malachi, end of the Old Testament. And then you have Noah. But out of those three, only Noah was chosen to witness the end of the world. Only Noah was chosen to comfort God's heart when he watched the world flood, and only Noah was chosen to restart humanity. Noah is a very big deal. And the answer to the why boils down to this. Noah had a close relationship with God and he listened to him speak. The secret to walking with God is listening to him speak because God does speak. He spoke everything into existence. He spoke light, water, land, stars, animals, produce, beans, greens, tomatoes, you name it. And he spoke to Noah. And he's given us the Bible so that we know it's not unusual that he speaks or to think it's weird that he would speak to us. Speaking to us is actually one of his greatest desires. That's his original plan. So when you and I pray and we say, God, will you please speak to me? We have to realize we're not twisting God's arm. This is his original idea and plan, and it gives him great joy. So what I'm inviting us to do today is to go into the story of Noah, listen for what God wants to say to us, and then consider how does God want to partner with you? What kind of internal or external work does God want to do in you this year? But before we can work with God, before we can partner with God, we have to walk with God. And as we're going to come to see with Noah, walking with God involves listening to his voice. If you struggle to hear God speak, if you doubt that it's him talking when he does speak, if you have convinced yourself that God speaks to some people but doesn't speak to you, I think the Holy Spirit desperately wants to change that today. Because how can we partner with God if we don't actually know what he wants us to do? You know, we live in such an interesting time I had a lot to say about this, and God said, cut it down. We really do, though. We live in an interesting time. We live in a time when our culture will turn to just about anything for answers, but will then try to convince the church that it's crazy to think that our creator would actually want to speak to us. And that's why Noah matters, because Noah was living in a world not so different from our own, and yet he doesn't spend his time trying to achieve worldly success. He just focuses on and treasures God's word. Words to him. Leonard Ravenhill is a name you probably don't know, but you probably have heard of Charles Stanley. Leonard Ravenhill was one of Charles Stanley's mentors. And Leonard Ravenhill said this. He said, smart men walked on the moon, daring men walked on the ocean floor, but wise men walk with God. Now, To understand the Noah story, we have to first understand who and what came before Noah, which means we really have to start with Adam and Eve. I am guessing you know the story of Adam and Eve quite well. So allow me for a moment to reframe it for you with my own personal story. Some of you have heard the story before, some of you haven't, but it's all true. Um, When I was four years old, I was severely electrocuted. I grew up in Alabama. And there's a really big company there called Alabama Power. And everybody knows it because they have this mascot called Louie the Lightning Bug. And Louie the Lightning Bug is a lightning bug. And he, like, sings and dances about the <laughs> dangers of electricity, you know? Uh, don't put a fork in the toaster. Don't put a hair dryer in the bathtub. Stuff like that, right? And they would play the commercials all the time. And I was fascinated with them as a kid. And then one day I started to think, this is not real, that's not true. Are you you really gonna die if you fly a kite into a power line? I don't think so. And I decided to put it to the test. And so one night my mom ran a bath for me and I got undressed And then I purposely asked her to go get something for me. And she took her eyes off of me for just a second, y'all. And when she left, I put one foot in the bathtub and I got some of her bobby pins from up on a shelf in our bathroom and I shoved them into the electric socket. And that is the last thing I remember before I woke up in the hospital. And when I woke up in the hospital, my mom was standing over me. And I'm pretty sure her first two words to me were, not funny. And then she bent down to give me a hug. And from what I can tell, especially now that I'm a mom myself, I think not funny meant about five different things. (laughs) Not funny meant one, you have made a big mistake. Two, you have hurt yourself. Three, you are not ready to be in the bathroom by yourself. But four, you are my kid and I love you. And five, I will always make sure you have what you need. So when it comes to Adam and Eve, did God really say We can't eat from this tree. When it comes to Adam and Eve, I get it. I get how listening to the wrong voice leads to not trusting authority. I know what it is to test deadly boundaries and disappoint the person who loves you the most. And I know that my mom's response was just a reflection of what God did with Adam and Eve. Because when Adam and Eve committed their sin against God, I doubt he found it very funny. And yet he still stood over them and said, You have made a big mistake. You have hurt yourself. You are not ready to be in the garden by yourself. But you are my kids, and I love you, and I will always make sure you have what you need. And then God added something that my mom didn't, or rather, my mom didn't have to Because when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, God added in a clause. He added in a future promise. First, he cursed the serpent, which had deceived Adam and Eve. And then he declares in Genesis 3.15, New Living Translation, he says, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike or crush or bruise, depending on the translation you know. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. That is God's promise. And when God makes a promise, he keeps it. So getting back to the story, God sends Adam and Eve on their way, but sin does not stop with Adam and Eve because they have two sons, Cain and Abel. Cain kills his brother. He's jealous. He thinks he can't measure up. There we go. First murder on the books. But We move six generations into the future, and we see this problem is growing. It is a massive problem. Cain's great, 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 great grandson is a man named Lamech. And by the time we get to him, he kills a man, not because he's jealous, but because the guy accidentally injures him. And after he kills him, he goes home and he brags to his wife about it. There's no remorse whatsoever. And by the time we get to Noah in Genesis chapter 6, we have deeply sick, homicidal psychopaths running around. I don't know any other way to say it. And we're so desensitized to violence that we hear sweet little Claire get up here and say, the whole world was filled with violence. And we're like... So what? Suck it up. But that is not God's response. God is horrified. Male and female, he made them. He set them on earth to be fruitful and multiply. And here they are. They're building shrines. They're cheating. They're making up rules for why they can kill one another. It is awful. It is terrible. And God is not only horrified, it says he's heartbroken. If you want to know God and you really want to deepen your relationship with him, don't skip over that detail. He's heartbroken. Sit with that for a moment. Let's, let's enter into that with him for a moment. Have you ever been heartbroken? I do a lot of intercessory prayer. I love to pray for people. And I have this ongoing list. And I looked over my list from the past year and I saw so many heartbreaking things on the list. Some were my own, some were for other people. Like a person who lost their job, can't afford their house, has to start over and move. A child died, the worst of all. A man broke his neck, his daughter had to come home from college to take care of him. A mother died, a father died, cancer, miscarriages, breaking up in your 60s, no one to spend the holidays with, fighting with family, marriage going downhill, gotta go to counseling not to get a divorce. Two kids in Israel, orphaned since October 7th, watch their parents die, don't understand they're not coming back. Or this is from a couple of days ago, a man in Gaza, living in a tent, lost 10 relatives in a day. They said, how do you feel? He said, I'm upset. Not because they're dead, but because they died cold. God is heartbroken. He looks at it and he says, I have to start this over. I can't allow it. It's too terrible. When we read this story, we must know that the flood is not a temper tantrum. The flood is not a loss of control. God is heartbroken. He loves us more than anything. He is heartbroken, and he has to send a flood. But, but Noah found favor with the Lord. Noah is described as righteous and blameless, and here's where some of us are going to try to pull away from Noah, because who can stand next to a perfect, righteous, blameless person? Who of us can even compare? But that ought not be our feeling when we see Noah or read about him. It ought to be the same feeling you get when you see someone who's like trying to catch a bus, you know, and they like go for it, you know, and they run, and then the bus driver sees just as he's pulling off and he opens the door and the person gets on and you know like they pull out their card and you're like yeah good for that guy he made his bus yeah so long stranger have a great life you know like that's what it's like living in New York City you know cheering on people who get on the bus that's what it's like reading Noah Noah is not a perfect person You can stand shoulder to shoulder with Noah. Noah's actually the first person in the Bible who's ever recorded as getting drunk, okay? And I don't mean he had a little bit of wine. I mean he got lit. Like apple bottom jeans, boots with the fur. Shorty got low, 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 okay? Lit. And yet he's described as righteous and blameless. So let's look at what those two words mean very quickly. Righteous just means that you're in right standing with God. And then we have blameless, which can be translated as perfect, but doesn't mean perfect. It means never having, and it doesn't mean never having fault. It means being spiritually mature, being well-rounded, that you are filled out in matters concerning God. So we have a person in right standing and a person who's spiritually mature. That's the type of person God is looking for. That's the kind of person who can restart humanity. Someone who understands we're meant to be collab- collaborating, co-laboring, co with him. A person who understands that apart from him, we can bear no fruit. And that's why God chose Noah. He says, I have a person who wants to hear my Voice Who wants to walk with me, who's spiritually mature, that's the person I need. And it says that Noah did all that God commanded him to do, exactly as He commanded him to do it. He got on, he built the ark, and then he got on board with his family. And we didn't hear this part read today, but it says that God closed the door behind Noah. Do you remember that from when we were kids? They don't really spend a lot of time on that detail. We get caught up on, well, how much rain? And were they really animals? And were they babies? Or were they full-grown animals? All of those things matter. But my favorite detail in the entire story is God is the one that closes the door to the ark. And I'm going to tell you why it's my favorite detail. I think that's what partnership with God really looks like. Partnership with God is us. Lord, I want you to speak to me. Lord, I wanna hear from you. And then he speaks to you. He tells you exactly what to do. In this case, this is what I want you to build. This is how big I want it to be, right? it's you and I getting those instructions from the Lord and then we go after it. We attack it. We put our heads down and we hit it and we hit it and we hit it until we have completed every last detail. And then it is God that's going to come along and do the heavy lifting and do the part that we can't do ourselves. See, I realized as I was studying for this that partnership with God is not exactly 50-50, okay? 50 50 50, that's how Esther and I work together. You do this and I'll do this and you do this and I'll do this. That's because we're of equal strength. We're matched together. But when you're talking about partnering with God, what's going to happen is he's going to say, I want you to do this with your business. I want you to do this with your family, okay? And you're going to have to complete every single step of it, just like Noah did with the ark. But when you have exhausted yourself, when you were at the point of thinking, okay, I did it and what Comes next. That's when God steps in and says, okay, little man, you put all the small pieces together to build this thing. Now let me do the piece you cannot do by yourself. Look at, with, look at Jesus with the turning water into wine. He says, go and fill the pots, fill them up with water. And then what does he do? He doesn't fill the pots. He changes the water into wine. Jesus says, You pray and I'll raise the dead girl, okay? We are doing the stuff in our strength. God is doing what only He can do. That's partnering with the Lord. I have three um, people that speak into my life. I go to them for spiritual counseling and for help with things. Uh, they have different roles one is a teacher, one is a mentor, and one is my hero. My teacher always reminds me, Jasmine, the master is playing chess. Don't interrupt his game. The master is playing chess. The master will tell you where to move and what to do. And then he will come in and complete the game right on time. So Noah does what he's supposed to do. He turns his back, puts the last of his stuff in, and God says, get in there, little buddy. It's time to roll. (laughs) This story shows us so much about how God wants to relate to us, you know? It's like my favorite Beatles song, two of us just doing life together, man. You want to hear from God? Of course you do. We all do. We're all desperate for a touch of heaven. Like we just sang, step 1, here we go to hearing from God. Acknowledging that we were created from God's word and were designed to respond to his word is step 1. Check that off. Step 2. Let go of needing to be perfect. Noah wasn't perfect. We're not perfect. I said this in my New Year's message. I'm gonna keep saying it all year. God does not call the equipped, he equips those he called. He called you, babe. You start on it, he will equip you. Step three be in right standing with God. Well, the good news here is here is it's not our works that bring us into right standing, it's our faith. You and I are not in right standing because of anything we've done. We're not being judged by our own track record. I'm using Jesus' track record. That's why I'm in right standing. That's why we're in right standing. Step four, desire to be blameless. Desire to be spiritually mature. There's a lot to this, but here's where I, what I think is somewhere near the top of that list. Spiritually mature people know when to pull away. They know when to get quiet. They know when to say no to dinner plans and just stay in the house and and just get in the word and pray and listen for the voice of God. They know how to attack until God says it's done. And then step five, you want to hear God's voice, you start at the beginning. And I mean that quite literally. In the beginning was the word and the word was god and the word the word was with god and the word was god he was with god in the beginning through him all things are made without him nothing was made that has been made when we want to hear god's voice we need only turn to jesus i mentioned earlier that when adam and eve sinned god told the serpent i have someone coming I have someone coming who is going to set this straight once and for all, that is a promise. And when God makes a promise, he keeps it. If he says it's gonna rain, it's gonna rain. If he says it's gonna happen, It's going to happen. If he says, I will never send another flood, but instead I'm going to send my son to you who's going to die for your sins so you and I can have a relationship and you can hear me speak, then let us open our ears. We need only turn to Jesus when we doubt that God wants to speak to us. Hebrews 1.1, in many ways, God spoke of old to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. Sarah, will you put that up for me, please? I'm not going to read it again, but this is a very important verse. Jesus is God's final word to us. Everything that needs to be said about who God is, what he's done, it's all been said through the words and the life of Jesus. The fall, the flood, every event in Genesis, all the words in the book, they're all pointing toward Jesus, the final word. Let everyone and anyone who has ears to hear, hear And may those with ears to hear listen and understand what God has for us in this season to come. Let's pray. Oh Lord, I sense you really shifting and illuminating how you want to uniquely and individually partner with us. I feel you taking the weight off and us really getting that there's going to be a part that only you can do. Father, help us to trust That you will come in, that you will speak when we need our next set of instructions, that you will speak when we need a word of comfort, that you will speak when we need to be inspired. Lord, help us to trust that you will empower us to carry out whatever it is that we hear. Even if it's just worship or pray, even when it's simple, you'll help us to do it. Now you'll come in and you'll do the heavy lifting we love you, we honor you, we open our hearts to you. It's in your name we pray, amen.